Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. Well, 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 Chris, are, you, are we okay over there? Can you hear me? Can everybody hear me out there? I can hear you. Well, can the people hear me? Can the people hear me out there? I like your cute little microphone. You like that? Look at hey, look at look at what I can do here. I can I can change the color. I can Ooh. <laughs> we're we're taking it up a notch over here. I figured keep blue was about. Yeah, keep it blue. Yeah, see it's a little muffled and it's not ideal, but we're gonna make it we're gonna make it work. Um I am broadcast, I'm I'm coming to you live. From the glorious Arizona ballroom here at the Camelback Inn. Looks uh, like you're kind of in a, uh, like you're in a, uh, almost like a, uh, a waiting room or some shit behind you. Well, let, let's see. I'll give you a 360 spin, but I had to face this way so I could. Is it better the other direction? Better, but the plug, the plug situation would not have been as good. So I, right yeah, the back, my backdrop's not great here, but let's, I'll give you a spin around here. Like, this oh, here is, we go. We're getting the full VIP. Woo! Look at covered tables. Look at the Look at down lighting. Look at this. It's extravagant. Yeah. So, yeah, that view is better, but it would have been a, a little bit of a, a, a hassle with the plug. So, we're going to do it like this and just keep a nice little. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm waiting to go see my dentist, actually. I got an appointment here in 15 minutes and <laughs> he gets me in and out so I can do this podcast. Um, get, a, get a quick colonoscopy in there before uh, Saturday's <laughs> game. Make sure you're running right. Been there, done that, never want to do it again. All right. Let's just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that. Uh, but no, we had another uh another media availability day. Um today was the defense co-defensive coordinators, Jesse Minner, Steve Klinkscale, and then was it five players? Let me see. It was Mozzie Smith, Mike Morris, Mike Sainristil, Junior Colson, and DJ Turner. So five defensive players, both of the defensive coordinators. We get them for 45 minutes. And you just kind of got to go around and catch them up, uh, you know, catch up with them any way that you can. Try to get some good stuff from those guys. Yesterday was the offense. Today was the defense. Tomorrow, I believe, is the big, like, everybody involved press conference with both head coaches, Jim Harbaugh, Sonny Dykes. Get to go back out to another practice tomorrow, which I'm certainly glad it wasn't Michigan's day for practice today because it has been pouring rain in Arizona today. All day, rain all day I long. I rain in Arizona. I didn't either. I didn't either, but pouring rain all day long, not very warm today, which sucks because we have a lot of downtime today. Like the media stuff is already done. So the rest of the day is just kind of dedicated to working, cranking out articles, cutting up video, getting stuff out. And that's all I'm going to be doing. I you'd be out, you know, mountain climbing, taking in the trails. There's a couple of yachts running around here who already hiked Camelback Mountain and did. I'm like, what? What are you guys in the Olympics, dude? Settle down. All right, go sit somewhere and have some fun. But no, I mean it, it's really cool here, man. The 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 grounds for this um, media hotel are uh, super Looks super beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Food's been incredible. The Camelback Mountain in the backdrop, just like again, the weather yesterday was phenomenal. Today, not so good, and then it's supposed to be good for the rest of the week. So I'm excited about it. Chris will be here in a day or two. 
I think somebody else asked again when you fly out. You get here pretty early. Fly Friday. out on Friday. Friday. Yeah. So I I, I got to get to the airport at like 3 a.m. Uh, another one of those early spirit flights, which I'm very, very excited about. But that'll get me out in Arizona. I don't know, sometime around 8.30, and then we'll have all Friday, all Saturday, and then hopefully spend Saturday night partying, celebrating a, uh, a trip to the national championship, and then Sunday to recover. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I've got to be honest, man. I'm, I'm, I'm having a real severe case of FOMO over here. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm missing out. Yeah. I felt like, you know, obviously I had some obligations this week uh, in terms of some family stuff that I, that I wanted to make sure that I could um, – you know, be a part of, but yeah, I'm seeing the pictures come out, the open practices. I mean, the fact that you get to take in an open practice is such a foreign concept to me that I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm missing a chance to go and tour Willy Wonka's chocolate factory out there. I'd really like to be out there and be a part of it, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get out there on Friday. The practice wasn't much, but it's, it's 15 more minutes than we've gotten during Jim Harbaugh's entire. (laughs) Here's here's what's funny about it. You said it's a 25 minute shuttle ride each way, right? So it's basically 50 minutes of travel for 15 minutes of, uh, but you know, Hey, you take what you can get at this point. 15 minutes of stretching a couple thrown balls against air. Get the hell out. (laughs) And and that's basically what it was. As soon as they went to team, See you later. Hit the road. Get out of here. But no, I mean, I I was talking to you on the phone about it yesterday. I mean, it's like you get photos of the guys running around a little bit. The early enrolled freshmen are out there, which was kind of cool. Got to see some of the new guys that just like literally just got on campus within the last week or two. The way it was set up, you know, the media could only go like down the sideline and around the back of the end zone to where the the lift was, like the scissor lift where they, you know, they film practice from. So we didn't have like free free run of the place, but where the running back drill was set up. Like I was, I mean, I could have like patted Mike hard on the back. I mean, we were standing right there. So you get to, you know, you get to see Donovan Edwards go through the ropes and then over the bags. You get to see Tavi Dunlap. You get to see CJ Stokes got to see the freshman Benjamin Hall. And then when Khalil Mullings goes through and he trips and eats shit and falls over everything, you could hear Mike Hart clowning him for about three. I mean, like it was so funny. I was, I just hit record like the second after he tripped and fell down. And Mike Hart was like, oh, you know, that's going on Twitter. Oh, make a TikTok out of that. Well, he just, you know, he's clowning them and they're all laughing. All the running backs were cracking up. Kalel gets up laughing. He goes through it again. But like, that's the little stuff that you can get even in a quick 15 minute individual drill stretch type of practice. You just don't, we haven't seen anything, dude, literally in the entire time Jim Harbaugh has been at Michigan, there has been no entry to practice. And last year, Chris, we were talking about it. There was a little wave of COVID right around the bowl game. So they canceled all that stuff. The media last year for the, for the playoff game, didn't get to go to any practices, didn't get to do any in-person like uh, uh, press conferences or anything. So it was, it was cool. It was 15 minutes. It was quick, but it was, it was more than we've gotten in the past and I enjoyed it. And I was able to even put together five quick little observations from that 15 minutes. And I didn't even go over to the defensive side. I plan on doing that. Uh, tomorrow. So yesterday I spent, um, I spent the time with the offense and tomorrow I'll go over to the defensive side and see what I can glean and pick up over there. And yeah, it was just, like I said, man, it's more than we get typically. And it was, it was actually pretty cool. So yeah, I know you were, I called you up. I told you about it. You got your new camera. You're ready to lace up and you were just like, damn it, dude. Well, I mean, especially after being thrown out of a practice a week ago, I just I was feeling some type of way about it. I was seeing on social media, you know, high resolution pictures of Donovan Edwards cast, which looks a little bit smaller, a little bit yep. sleeker, talking about who's in, who's out. 
Andrew Anthony, AJ Henning, obviously not practicing. Mike Morris out there. I just, you, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a rare opportunity, and you'd like the you'd like the chance to, you know, you hate to miss out on things like that. So again, fingers crossed that uh, this team, this program, makes it to LA, and I'll be out there all week, all yeah. week. I'll be on the the shuffleboard. I'll be in the pool. I'll be <laughs> wherever there, wherever that team goes. Your boy's gonna be there with camera in hand. Yeah. So two T Rex's question. Chris just kind of addressed a few of the key points. Um, looked pretty healthy. Yeah. Andrew Anthony and AJ Henning were out. They were out there. They looked fine. I mean, they weren't like no crutches, no boot, but they, they, they weren't in helmet and they didn't participate. Um, Olu, Olu with Timmy was dealing with something at some point he was seen in a boot when a couple pictures came out from the Joe Moore award stuff. Maybe I think it was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they didn't try to hide it. It was like, to me, that meant it was precautionary. And then he was out there yesterday running with the ones, but I did notice when they went to the team section, Greg Crippen was also taking some reps with the ones. So we'll see how that kind of develops. I'd be shocked if Olu doesn't play at this point in this kind of game and how good he's been all year and what he means to that offensive line. You mentioned Mike Morris. We talked to him today. That was one of the first things I asked him. You know, like a lot of guys have said they wish they didn't have to wait three or four weeks to play. They wanted to just get right after. And I said, what about you, though, Mike, since you were, you know, healing and trying to get better? He's like, this, this time off has been exactly what I needed. He's like, I feel so good now, back to 100%, ready to go, can't wait to get out there on this stage and play. So he sounds like he's, uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss anything at all. I know he was talking about the Ohio State game and how he really shouldn't have been playing. I mean, he's like, I was hurting bad. I was in a lot of pain, but it was that game. I couldn't not be out there and he didn't do much, but he did, he did suit up and play. So yeah, from a health standpoint, sounds like pretty good. Um, but you know, you're 13, 14 weeks in the season, you're going to be a little dinged up. You mentioned Donovan Edwards, Chris, he, he definitely had a smaller, sleeker version of a cast on, but it was a hard cast that kept his thumb complete. I mean, there's no, there's no flexing his thumb at all on his I dominant right hand. I did catch a deep ball from JJ McCarthy. I don't know. I don't know that they're going to draw up many of those, uh, right. in the semifinal game, but it, it shows that. I think if need be, he can still go out and he can pose that type of threat. I mean, if he gets, you know, if he gets streaking down the sideline and JJ sees him open, I guarantee he's going to uncork it. And I think even with cast on hand, uh, Donovan Edwards can make that catch. But um, I know there's been a lot of concern, a lot of speculation. What's the cast? How much impact? I mean, we've seen the cast on his hand now for weeks and he continues to just, you know, what you know? What, what was it against Ohio State? Two hundred plus yards, and then in yeah. the, the Big Ten championship, another hundred and sixty or one hundred and eighty. So clearly, it's not impacting um, his ability to run the ball. Hasn't turned the ball over at all. Guys, physically tough, mentally tough. I don't think the cast is going to make one bit of difference the way he performs on Saturday. And I think he's caught a couple passes, maybe like one or two. Like so, yeah. To your point, I don't think it's completely out of the playbook, but yeah, maybe not as much as we've seen him in the past. I mean, you think back to like. Maryland last year where he had like seven or eight catches probably not going to see that but sounds like if you yeah if you get him wide open you're not going to not throw it to him just because of that cast but yeah it's you know that thumb sticking up like that that's a pretty big part of gripping a football obviously and so there's a there's definitely a hindrance there but he's he's obviously got his left arm he can do just fine carrying it there and we've already seen him play well with the cast on so I don't think it's much to worry about I, feel like I don't remember any finger you would want stuck in the upward position, it would be the thumb, right? As a running back, that would be most ideal. I would think if it was any other 
you know, any other finger, any other injury, it, w- it would complicate things a little bit more. And not to say that it's an ideal injury, but it just seems like yeah. even with his thumb being in that position, it, it doesn't seem to be making too much of an impact. Yeah, he's out there. He's 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 RB1. There's no question. He's been productive with it. I don't think it's a concern. He Yes, he has it there. You'd rather him not, but he's going to go and he's going to be, I think he's going to be really good. I think they're going to run the ball at will. I think it's going to be a real problem for TCU. And that's something that we talked about with all the guys, you know, a little bit more so yesterday with the offensive players and coaches, you know, this narrative that Michigan is a bad matchup for TCU. And I think there's some truth to it. I mean, I, I found it interesting. I asked, um, I asked Sharon Moore. I asked Matt Weiss a little bit about, you know, how different do you think their three three five is going to look? I mean, I I doubt they're going to just stay in it. You can't you can't defend against a Michigan team that wants to run the ball in a base three three five. So they're going to have to switch some stuff up, and that's that's where this matchup gets really interesting because both teams, first of all, it's the first ever matchup between Michigan and TCU. Not that that matters that much for this year's specific game, but that's kind of cool. I mean, you've got a really old storied program like Michigan. A program like TCU that's been around quite a while too, and they've never ever played before, so that's cool. Yeah, and it's just very different styles. I mean, Matt Weiss mentioned it multiple times. Like the three-three-five defense was designed specifically to handle the air raid offenses of the Big Twelve, the Texas Techs, the Oklahomas, the Oklahoma States of the early two thousands. That's not what Michigan is like at all. So, the, the, but on the flip side, like Michigan hasn't had to attack a defense like that before either. So like there is some intrigue in both directions. TCU is really explosive on offense. We heard a lot about Quentin Johnson today. I asked DJ Turner about him. I asked Mike Sainer still about him. I asked the D linemen and the linebackers about Max Duggan. Just got some really good stuff. It was I thought it was really cool, man. Mike Morris said he actually I think that I I'd have to look back, but I think his exact quote was like, I love that guy. He talked about Max Duggan. He's like, I love him. Love the way he plays. Love playing against dudes like that. It makes me play harder. It makes me play better. We know we can't fall asleep for even a second on a dude like that. So it was cool to hear the mutual respect. You know, we've given Max Duggan a lot of respect and given him his flowers as well. So I'm just excited about the matchup. Talking to 10 different players and four different coaches over the last two days, you get the sense that they're they're geared up, man. It's been three or four weeks prepping for this thing. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you, Chris, when we get into burning questions. So we'll do that here momentarily. But you know, as you're watching from afar, you're getting stuff from me. You're also consuming stuff from all the other beat. Has anything stood out to you over the last two days about what a guy said or maybe what a coach has been feeling or just a narrative kind of in general as we get closer to this game? Yeah, I mean, I think I think overall, and you've heard multiple players talk about it, and even we kind of felt it when we were in Miami last year. I feel like, you know, whether it was the team, the coaches, the fans, the people in the media, we were all just kind of like, shocked to be there and be in Miami and be a part of the college football playoff. And, and it, and it did kind of feel like a party. It just felt like a big event. And to me, the biggest takeaway so far in the week leading up is that I don't doubt that the guys are out having fun and enjoying their time, you know, in Scottsdale or Glendale, wherever the hell they're hanging out. But at the end of the day, they do come across as a team that is approaching the college football playoff from, from a different perspective. And one that I think is, is going to help them in the long run. I think last year, getting there, having that experience, getting their ass kicked by Georgia and figuring out, you know, JJ McCarthy said it right away. He said, you know, after that happened, there was no, there was nobody on this team that was like, I need time off. I'm burned out. I just need to take a step back. It was, let's get to work. We know exactly what we need to do. We were this close and lo and behold, here they are again in this position. And I just feel like, 
Real quick, way, just to yeah, piggyback ahead. that very quick, a, a very quick quote that JJ said, and he said it before, but he just reiterated. He's like, we are not happy just being here. Like yeah. that, that, That's old news. That way we felt last year about getting there. It's not the same this year. So I think that was important and speaks right to exactly what you're saying about it. Yeah, and, and, and you get that sense when you listen to them speak that they, you know, it's it's obviously cool to be part of the college football mm-hmm. playoff. But I think last year, you know, when you lose in the semifinal, that coolness wears off real quick. And it's like, well, yeah. shit, you know what I mean? We, we didn't do what we came to do. And so that's my biggest takeaway so far is I think that mentally they're in a different place. Physically, they're in a different place. And again, I just, I look at this matchup and, you know, I know that TCU is going to come in and give them everything that they've got, but I just feel like Michigan is on a different trajectory. That's the best offensive line in the country. They've got a quarterback who, you know, you talk about Max Duggan and what he brings to the table. I still take JJ McCarthy any day of the week, what he provides for the team, not just from a physical standpoint, from an ability standpoint, but mentally the impact that he's had on this team. And then obviously what the defense has been able to do all year with Jesse Minner um, you know, they, they just, they stifle you and, and they make it to where if you don't beat them soundly in the first half, you're not winning the football game. Yeah. And so I just think top to bottom, Michigan is positioned to get themselves back to a national championship. And what that means is either a rematch with Georgia from last year's semifinal or a rematch with Ohio state, which I know wow. I've been pounding the table on this, but God damn it. The excuses coming out of Columbus here over the last several days that I've seen slowly come out, whether it's not, well, it was only five plays that were really the difference or, you know, the tight end saying like, I'm not going to talk about the extent of the injuries I was going through, but there were some injuries that were there. It just seems like every year with these guys, now that Michigan's finally got the upper hand, there's excuse after excuse after excuse. I'm over it. Would love nothing more than Michigan to get another shot at the Buckeyes on the biggest stage. And and prove uh, prove everybody wrong once again that you know I I just this is not Urban Meyer's Ohio State Buckeyes team and I, I question whether or not they're even going to put up a fight against Georgia. We'll see, but they do seem pretty soft. They get rattled pretty easily, and I think Georgia is once again on that path to get back to the national championship. And we would love to see Michigan get another crack at it. Either yeah. way, I'll be happy if Michigan is in LA. I don't care who the of course, of course, and we will be there with fucking bells on, dude. Bells, bells on. on. Bells they on. will be they will be on. Chris Fields, couple donations. Appreciate it, my guy. I do well, let me read the question. Could JJ hit another gear and blow up even more as a national championship appearance worth almost as much as runner up? I'm not really sure what that question means. What's the deal? Anyway, I'll take your first question because I do think that if JJ McCarthy is called upon to make some really big plays, he's going to. I felt like Everything he said yesterday, he was just locked in. I mean, we know about the Zen approach and the meditation before the game and how he's just wired to win. And he's he's just been this same guy since he was like in middle school. I mean, you can go back as far as you want and learn about his work ethic and how he got to where he got to and everything he's done. And that's that's what he's that's he's been working towards this exact kind of game. Chris, I wanted to ha- go ahead. What, what I was do you going to say? Well, there's there's a question that came through last night when we weren't sure whether or not we were going to go live today. That I think kind of plays on this topic. Um, Chris Fields obviously wanted to clean up some of those grammar errors <laughs> in, in the first question. There. Yeah, there you go. Um, but uh, I think it was Travis uh, Connor who maybe asked that. I can't remember exactly who it was uh, from the Facebook page, but there is a lot being talked about JJ McCarthy and his maturation, development, and what he brings to the table. Do you have any concern that if JJ does go down with an injury, potentially, 
what does that do for Michigan's chances? Not just in the semifinal, if it happens in that game, but but in in you know in potentially a national championship game. Do you like what Michigan has as a secondary option to the quarterback position? Because we talk about how now is the time. If you're JJ, you got to put it all on the line. You got to do this. You got to do that. And yeah, obviously you don't want to talk about injuries. You don't want anybody to get injured. But it is part of the game. And if Michigan finds themselves without him. It's not like with Blake Corum where you've got Donovan Edwards, another Heisman Trophy candidate who can step right in. You know, how much of a concern is quarterback depth to you at this point in the in the season? It's it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good, but I do think you can put in a guy. Who's the guy? Who is it? It's probably Davis Warren, but could do some really interesting things with Alex Orgy in the quarterback run game. And you know Michigan's still gonna all right, can assuming JJ makes it through a quarter or two or whenever he, if he were to get dinged or something, can, can Davis Warren come in and go six for 11 and not turn it over? I mean, like that's, that's all he would really have to do at that point. Right. I mean, that's, that's about a half of football for JJ McCarthy. Now there have been some, some games where he's aired it out a little bit more and he certainly makes some, even if he's only got 11 completions at the end of the game, dude, three or four of them might be, better than some NFL quarterbacks can spin it. So I, I get that, but I do think the, 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 the premise of what Michigan does and how they approach offense, like you could put another guy in there and they might be able to do. Okay. I, I still, you know, talent and athleticism with his legs, the combination of all of that, the leadership that he's grown into the preparation and just being the guy for 13 wins. That's that's huge. That's massively huge if you were to lose that. But like, you know, you're not talking about an air raid team that throws the ball 60 times a game. So it's it's you know, it's about as minimal as you can get for an undefeated team with a potential superstar quarterback. I do think if JJ was in a different offense, he could throw 50 touchdown passes. There's no there's yeah. no doubt in my mind. He just isn't asked to do that at Michigan. So when you talk about how good he is or could be or his physical abilities, and you were to lose him, and you might not drop off that much. It's kind of a weird concept, but that's how I feel about it. Well, I mean, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. And obviously, again, it's it's something that you you definitely don't want to see happen. But when you look, I guess when you look at the other three teams that are in the college football playoff, I'm not sure that there's another scenario where you can say that. It seems like they rely heavily on who their starter is, and I yeah. know that Michigan has obviously relied pretty heavily on JJ. But given and Desmond Howard said this uh, a little bit earlier um, in one of his interviews that he did. He talked about just how balanced Michigan is and the way they run their offense, and they don't rely on one singular thing. And I do think if a guy like J.J. goes down, yeah, Donovan Edwards is still going to be there in the backfield. Luke Schoonmaker, Colson Loveland still going to be out there able to make mm -hmm. catches. And I think this offense can still function. Defense will be fine. And you know, I think it, in total, Michigan is probably best positioned to fall off as little least, as possible, yeah. right? At least if they lose their starting quarterback. But I did think that was an interesting question uh, that came through last night because I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, we talk about JJ and he's the guy and he's this and he's yeah. that. And you know, you never really think like, well, you know, if something happens, like who who is that next guy up and what does it do to that Michigan offense? But I think with how balanced they are, I think they would be at least for the semifinal. Okay. I mean that point you you might have to cut off a limb for him not to play i mean like that's that's also i don't know what it would take to have him not be out there but you just yeah, put yeah the I mean, bionic a, one back on 
it's the reality of the game, man. It is. I yeah. mean, you don't want to talk about it. I know people are going to be like, ah, oh, don't say that. But like, yeah, it's football, man. It could happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is an interesting discussion to have. All right, we got a couple donations, Chris. We'll go through those, and then we'll knock out some burning cues. I know you, you've you got a little bit of a time crunch here. What are we looking like for some burning questions? How do you feel? We'll be all right. We, I mean, you know, you know how it usually goes. We'll just run through them as quick as we can. Okay. All right, so we've got AJ Cooper here. I don't really know what your question's asking, brother. I, I, I want to try to answer it, but it's throwing me off a little bit. Chris, if you can decipher... The whole five-play deal is ridiculous. Look at the plays that the backup running back ran the ball. There are huge holes. If Dono was in, it would have been worse. I guess it's – Well, I, I think that's it. That's um, talking about um, at the Ohio State – Oh, the Ohio today. State five yeah. plays only. So, okay, okay. You know, Jim, what the hell's his last name? The uh, the, the D coordinator for Ohio State. Knowles. Um, Knowles was asked, yeah. you know, basically, essentially, were those five plays the difference in the game? And Jim said gotcha. yes. And – you know, I think for Michigan fans, it's like, look, if, if you want to water that down, yes, of course. If basically the question was, if you didn't lose the game, would you have won it? And obviously, the answer is yes. I mean, right. that's really what it comes down to. But to water that ass beating down to just five specific plays, I mean, you know, you can do that if you want, and you can try to play those games, and you can do the mental gymnastics and convince yourself that it wasn't as bad as it was. But look, I mean, Michigan beat the shit out of that team. They gave up three points in the second half. So I, I don't want to hear say, about five offensive plays. What about the dominance on the defensive side of the ball? What about guys like Mike Sainer still making critical plays in the end zone? That was more than just about five plays. And so, you know, if, if, if the folks down in Columbus think that that game was decided on five plays, that's just fine. But anybody who knows anything about football can go back and watch the film and know it was about a hell of a lot more than five plays. And that just plays into what I said earlier. It's this whole mentality that they just can't come to terms with what actually happened that yeah. happened last year in 2021, whether it was the flu, whether it was whatever the hell, you know, happened last year, this year, it's injuries this year. It was, well, we had a fake punt dialed up miscommunication. We didn't take advantage of it. Eh, it was just five plays. Eh, the defense is playing angrier now. We, you know, we didn't take it seriously, whatever it is, just a lot of talk coming out of Columbus. And again, would love for nothing more than Michigan to get another shot at the Buckeyes, because at that point you get your ass kicked twice in the same season, once for the national championship, really not much you can say at that point. To call that game just the five scoring touchdown plays is so lazy. It's so lazy, dude. I mean, the way Ohio State went down in the first possession of the game and scored a touchdown and Michigan's defense bowed back up, didn't fold, didn't flinch, and played maybe the best half of football that any team has played all year. Yeah. Uh, that's that, that's such a lazy take, dude. I'm, I mean, I guess maybe he's got to try to deliver a message to his guys to try to build their confidence back up because it's freaking shot because they got their ass kicked two years in a row trying to play their game, and it just doesn't work against what Michigan's doing. Didn't matter if it was in Ann Arbor. Didn't matter if it was snowy. Didn't matter if it was in Columbus. Didn't matter if it was gorgeous. Ass whooped. And so they got to try to find something to try to build those teams back, those those minds back up, which I don't know how the rest of the player, how the rest of the team is made up, but if they're anything like – Coleridge Stroud the fourth that dude's that dude's soft as baby shit dude I mean I don't know if you take cues from your quarterback they're in trouble so whatever it takes Mr. Knowles go ahead and knock it out because that's not how that game went and he knows it he knows that but I think he does have to he's got to try to deliver a message to his guys who are you know their tail between their legs right now man there's no there's no way that they're not yeah I mean there's about it I mean and, and if you go into, you know, and you get your ass kicked, well, if, if, if the score looks like, like that, 57-17, could very well be uh, in favor of Georgia. You know, I just 
I feel like Ohio State, they, they do this thing where they try to talk to, I mean, you know, Brian Hartline, the whole for 365 days, and what's done yeah. in the dark will come to the light. And we've had to listen to them say this, and we didn't respond, and we got quiet, and we work. And it's like, all you do is talk. All you do is talk once you get your ass whooped. <laughs> There's always an excuse for something. And uh, now, you know, they're trying to embrace this underdog role, and that's fine. But the reality is, I think they're just struggling with coming to terms with they're not as good as they have been traditionally. And the fact that is the one that's knocked them off is even more painful. But again, backdoor your way into the college football playoff, you get another shot at it. And you're right, the coaches are going to say whatever they've got to say to keep those guys from uh, buying into the belief that maybe they're not as good as they thought they were. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fields, thank you again, sir. Uh, it's beyond a while away, so subject to change. Can we expect Rosie for all the road games next year? Oh, good Lord. If Chris and I haven't even had a discussion about that yet. Right now, Rosie is tucked away in a barn in New Lothrop. She's, she's hibernating for the winter. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens when we roll her back out in the spring. And if there's anything else, we have some plans for the spring and some plan, potential plans for the summer, but we're, you know, we're going to have to take a long, hard look at the practicality. I, I, I will say this. I will say this. There are definitely plans for the summer and for Rosie to get out on the road and tour around the great state of Michigan, go visit some places that uh, we'd like to go see and go do some live shows from some different places around the state and kind of tour the perimeter. And so, you know, we'll probably be at, at some point here in the, you know, relatively near future a, a, announcing almost a tour date where we're going to kind of go around and do live shows and hopefully get to meet people uh, in different parts of the state that typically don't get down to Ann Arbor on Saturdays. Um, but then when it comes to traveling, I mean, look, we've talked about it before, you know, you, you, when it's relatively close, it's not a big deal. When you start to put some serious mileage on it, you know, we're, we're pretty snake bitten at this point. And, you know, we, we've just got to figure out how we want <laughs> people miss Rosie. Uh, we, we want to, we just want to make sure that we're doing it the right way and not putting ourselves in a, uh, in a tough position. So if anybody out there wants to donate Rosie 2.0. <laughs> And I'm talking like a three to five hundred thousand dollar bus, so we can do this uh, thing the right way. Yeah, we'll be taking it all over the country. But for for now, we gotta, uh, you know, we need to we get like a, decisions. we need to get like a fan duel or a DraftKings involved. Somebody who's got some real Cronkites to throw around at us, dude. That's something what we where need. we need to hire a driver. Something yeah, where yeah. neither one of us are even equipped to drive it. Yeah. So there you go. Um. Last question here, and then we'll get into our burning questions. Uh, would Ohio State fire Ryan Day for losing to Michigan in the national championship if it was a blowout? I I no. cannot fathom that because the dude's overall record is just bananas. But, like, dude, they are not happy with how things are He will be on the hot seat yeah. going into 2023. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I already think that regardless of whether or not Ohio State gets another crack at Michigan, I think Ryan Day, which is crazy to your point, Brandon, if you look at his schedule or if you look at his record as yeah. head coach of Ohio State, the fact that he would even be on the hot seat is crazy. But you saw it come out right after the game. There were they were fans calling for his head, thinking that they needed to make some significant changes. And so, look, if, if you're the head coach um, at Ohio State and you go from Urban Meyer, who was 7-0, and and you start off with a guy who's 0-3, you're going to see people losing their minds. You're going to see people lose their shit. And so... Will he lose his job after this year, even if they, they lose a second game against Michigan? I don't think so, but sure as hell, regardless of whether or not they play again this year, I think Ryan Day is on the hot seat next year, and it's crazy. But, you know, for Ohio State, you know, they, they talk about it in uh, – you heard Urban Meyer talk about it prior to the game. 
It's not a one week, one day, one month sort of thing. It is a way of life down there. Beating Michigan, that's just that's that's how they operate. That's in their DNA. And the fact that they haven't been able to do that now for two years, that's really going to wear on the fan base, which is why I want to see Michigan and Ohio State in the national championship because I want to see the program, the mm. coaching staff, the players in the state just crumble. crumble. Just crumble. Yeah. It would be a it would be a oh man, that would be just what a capper to the season, dude. Unbelievable if it played out that way. All right, we got some burning questions, dude. You ready to fire them off? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're, we're, we've got no music, we've got no cockles. We've talked about it before. We're still zero cockles. I don't <laughs> We're bringing all the cockles necessary for this one. We got what we need right here. All right, you want to go first? Or you want me to? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, you know, you've been out there. You've obviously seen a little bit of the practice, and we've, you know, we, we've seen some of the reports that come out. Who's practicing? Who's not? Who's doing what? Out of, I know that every look. There's some guys that are going to play, but there are still some lingering issues that are out there. So I'm just going to ask you: out of all the lingering injuries that are out there, whether it be Olu Edwards, you know, Andrew Anthony, AJ Henning, uh, Mike Morris, et cetera, et cetera, who? Or which one concerns you the most still at this point? Even if you think they're going to be able to go, which potential injury, which nagging injury concerns you the most at this point? Well, I don't know exactly what he's dealing with, and it hasn't caused him to miss any time yet, but it's Olu, dude. I mean, I, I'm just, I've, I've just, I talked about it before the season. I've never been excited about a center before, and then there he was, and he was dominant, man. I mean, the best center in the, in the country took home the hardware to prove it. He, he's just got a maturity and a way about him. You can tell, even though he's only been here a year, the other guys really like, I mean, he could say anything up front in, in when it comes to making calls or check with me or do this or do that. And, you know, Keegan and Hayes and Zinner and whoever's that right tackle, as good as they all are, they're taking their cues from that dude. I mean, he's just got a way about him, man. And I, if he's, if he's 80% or if he's 60% or if he has to come out, like, I think that's bad. I don't know. He looked fine. He was going through one-on-one -on -one drills and didn't look like, you know, he, he was in a boot. So obviously it's a lower leg thing. Is it an ankle? Is it a foot? Is it a shin calf? I'm not sure. There was no limp. He was talking about his health. You know, he was one of the guys made available yesterday. Seems fine. But if he's, if he can't go like at some point in the game or he's really hindered, I think that's bad news. Yeah, and I mean that's that's you know, I think that's the most obvious. I'm going to go with Donovan Edwards. I think okay. that the hand is starting to heal. I mean, he's missed what eighty percent of the games this year, or at least eighty percent of the reps this year due to that injury. In the games where he has been able to play, Penn State, Ohio State, um, and then the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue, he's been phenomenal. But I think you know if, if something reaggravates that injury on his hand. Um, against TCU, I'm really concerned. And, and look, I know CJ Stokes is a good uh, running back. They've had some success with Isaiah Gash. Khalil Mullings has obviously played, you know, some minutes there. But I, I just think you really lose that home run threat in the backfield that yeah. has been so beneficial to Michigan's success down the stretch. And so, fingers crossed that that hand holds up, that the cast holds up. But to me, if you if you lose uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate and a guy who probably, quite frankly, would have won it had he stayed healthy. And Blake Corum, given the way that, that you know, yeah. we saw who was there, we saw who won it. If Blake Corum stays healthy, I think he wins it. You go down one Heisman Trophy candidate, replace him with another, and you lose that guy. I think that just puts Michigan in, in a difficult position offensively because now you're really having to rely on 
you know, some guys that are fairly unproven and it puts a lot more on the passing game. Um, Mark, to answer your question, CJ Stokes appears completely healthy at the practice. There was only one running back in the no contact yellow penny Jersey. And that was Leon Franklin. Everybody else was full go. Donovan was out there with the cast, but he's full go. I mean, yeah. So as far as I know, um, Stokes is ready. Mullings is ready. Donovan's ready, you know, save the the hand. I mean, that's, that's, you gotta have your hands if you're a running back. I mean, it's pretty clear, but you know, He's been he's been really good with a cast on, so we'll see how he looks on Saturday. Chris, kind of related to this question, I don't know the exact ins and outs of TCU's uh, injury report. I mean, it's probably pretty easy to find if you did a quick quick search. But who do you think this long layoff helps or hurts more? I guess it depends on which way you want to look at it. Again, for a guy like Mike Morris, he loves the time off. He wants to get healthy. Luke Schoonmaker on the flip side was like, I want to play yesterday, today, tomorrow. Like, I want to play the game now. Who do you think this three to four week gap affects more and, and maybe in what way? In terms of which team, TCU? Yes, or which Michigan? team, TCU or Michigan? Yes. Mm, I think TCU, to be honest. I just, really? I, think, okay. I think Michigan's style of play um, is one that. You know, I go back to what Desmond said earlier. If, if you look at the offense, if you look at the defense, they're just so balanced and they don't rely on one thing or the other. TCU, you know, they, they seem to have, they thrive on their passing game. I know that they can run the ball a little bit, but when you take that much time off, it's, you know, it's like you got to, even if you're taking reps in practice, it's not the same as doing yeah. it on Saturdays. And I think what Michigan does in practice will translate on Saturdays. So, you know, for me, I'm I'm the same way though, and I understand the guys who were injured wanted the time and needed the time to get healthy. Sure. And I'm glad that they were able to do that. But if it were up for me, if it were up to me, the, the game would be played the very next week, right after the yeah. Big Ten championship game, and you would keep it rolling so that the momentum stays. And to take a month off, I mean, Jesus, even as a fan, I feel like I'm getting I rusty know. here. I'm looking I around. Know. I'm like, what can I write about? What can I talk about? I'm starting to stare at the walls a little bit. I'm not really looking forward to the offseason for football. I've, I've, this month has really reminded me how much I hate it when college football isn't a part of my life. I know. I think that's a really good point. John Patrick threw it up there. The word I was, you know, the, the word rusty comes to mind. I mean, you think about like timing and passing, you, you know, chemistry with your receivers downfield, and that can get a little rusty. I don't know if leaning on the other team and running the ball up, the, uh, you know, down their throat really gets rusty. I mean, yes, I do think offensive line gets offensive lines can gel and get a little bit better as the game goes on. And maybe that carries over a little bit week to week, but I think you snap back into it a lot quicker as an offensive line and a run game than you do as a quarterback and a receiver and tight ends with your passing game. But you know, that's what TCU did all year. It's not like they're going to be rusty to the point where it's not working for the whole game. I don't think, but I like that thought and that, that does seem to make the most sense. I do think that a long layoff might affect TCU's offense more than Michigan's. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, Brandon, uh, whether offensively or defensively, what is, in your mind, the biggest challenge that TCU presents to Michigan on Saturday? Well, it's what we've talked about. It's the speed at receiver. Quentin Johnson is a freak show at wideout. We talked about him quite a bit today. I asked Mike Sainer still about him. I asked uh, DJ Turner about him. I know Jesse Minter was asked about him specifically when I was standing over there, and they're all very aware of, of how big he is, how fast he is. 
I think it was Jesse Minner that said he's got over half of his yards after the catch, which is typically not something you see from like a big bodied receiver. Those are, you know, your, your scat, your scat receivers that get in the open field and make some plays, but he can do it all. And then you've got Max Duggan, tons of experience can extend plays and get it down to the field to a big guy like that, or to little guys that are getting open when you, you know, you can, I mean, dude, you can take the best corners in the world. It's real hard to cover a receiver for six, seven, eight seconds when the quarterback is running around. So, that's my biggest concern. They've been an explosive offense, top five scoring offense in the country, I think Jesse Minner said today. So that's it seems like that's what Michigan's most concerned with, too, just hearing them talk. And when you look at what they do best, I, I mean, it's pretty easy, uh, pretty easy to understand why. Yeah, it's and for me, it's Max Duggan. I mean, and, that, and that's the most obvious choice. But I heard Junior Colson talk about it today and, you know, talk about Duggan's toughness and how he can yeah. – you know, he can really hurt you with his legs and there's a lot of different things that he can do. And so I think as Max Duggan goes, so does that offense. Uh, but then Junior Colson also talked, you know, I don't have the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, you know, hit him early, hurt him, watch him get demoralized. And then that's when the defense really starts to have fun and starts to feast. And so I think that's the goal, man, is get to him as early and often as they possibly can um, and, and, and try to get all of that momentum going their way. And if you can get Max Duggan double thinking, you know, thinking twice about some things, seeing ghosts out there, I think it's just, you know, to me, the game could be over in the first half. But to me, that's how they also extend the game into the second half is if you allow Duggan to get comfortable back there, make some throws downfield um, to Quentin Johnson, or you allow him to get out and make some big plays where, you know, a, a third down instead of turning into a fourth down turns into a long first down game. Right. Um, and, and then they're able to put some points on the board. I think that's how you'll find yourself some in some trouble potentially in the second half. So get to Max Duggan. Everything else will be fine. Yep. That sounds like that sounds like the formula for success. I agree. Uh, my second question, Chris, we know what Michigan wants to do. They've done it for 13 weeks. They've only had a couple games where they even were under 200 yards rushing. I think it was two or three all season couple times they went over 400. I mean, that's what they want to do. It's not a secret. Do you think, or how different do you think Michigan will look after three or four weeks of preparation against a very different kind of defense? Do you think they try to attack it different? Or is it, you know, chapter 14, just like the previous 13? And, and maybe more specifically, do you think at any point during the game an offensive play will happen where you say, Oh, that's new. Like, I've never seen that before. Like, what's going that's a long time to prep for an opponent. I picture it being a lot like what we saw against Ohio State, where, okay. you know, the, the, there was a little bit of both. I mean, you saw, you know, JJ hit uh, Cornelius Johnson deep. You saw him hit uh, Colston Loveland deep. And then you saw Donovan Edwards break a couple big runs uh, for, I think it was for 60 and 70 plus yards for touchdowns. I could see the exact same blueprint on Saturday against TCU where JJ does a little bit with his arm and he hits some deep balls. And then Donovan Edwards uh, is obviously a home run threat anytime he touches the ball. And by the way, also a guy who can run between the tackles, this idea that he's, you know, a perimeter, a speed, a finesse type guy, not the case at all. He can run between the tackles, but he can also burn you. And once he gets in the open field, yeah. we've talked about it before. He's like a prize, you know, a horse out there. He just, once he starts galloping, you're not going to catch him. It's, it's um, so pretty, dude. It's pretty. So I, I do think it's going to be chapter 14, but I do think there's going to be, you know, even Ohio state was kind of chapter 14, but there was that whole narrative that Michigan couldn't hit the deep ball and they couldn't. I mean, if you look at what happened the week prior to the Ohio state game, Michigan played Illinois, JJ drops back. He, he looks for Andrew Anthony in the end zone, right in his hands, drops it. And that narrative continued. I actually wrote an article 
is Michigan's passing game the biggest liability heading into you know the game? And it turned out that it it worked pretty favorably for them. And so mm-hmm. I think I think that blueprint that you saw against Ohio State, you're probably going to see that against TCU. And it sounds like TCU from a defensive standpoint is going to try to do the same thing that Ohio State did shut down the run, make JJ McCarthy beat them. And you know, it, it didn't work so well for, uh, for one, Mr. Jim Knowles and the, uh, the Ohio state defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I just, I, you know, it's a lot of time you can implement some new stuff. Maybe there's a gadget play or two. I just think it's what's worked has worked. Just keep it rolling. There's one thing I want to see this year that we haven't seen this year. Well, there's a couple things, but I'll say there's one thing that I, I do want to see. I want to see Mikey Sainer still on an offensive rep. I just, whether it's a jet sweep, whether it's, you know, whether they get him out in the flat, I want to see Mike Sainer still get the ball in his hands offensively somehow, some way. That guy has been incredible this year. And I think a lot of people forget how incredible he was offensively. If you go back and you watch his highlight film, dude made spectacular catches and was a big threat. I just hope at some point in time, whether it's the semifinal or the national championship, we get to see Mike Sainer still get his hands on the ball offensively. That would be cool. That would be cool. And I, 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 I'm with you. I think it's going to be run the ball. I think it's Donovan Edwards. I think it's, you know, TCU scrambling to figure out how do we defend this stuff that we've never seen all year with this personnel and a system that's not built for it. I think that's a problem. I think that's yeah. a problem for them. I really do. I mean, it's like, like, I know Michigan has said like, well, we haven't really seen a team like TC, like dude, every team in the country runs offense. Like they do. They all want to be explosive and throw the ball 40 times. again. Like that's, that's Ohio state. That's Indiana. That's Maryland. That's, I mean, there's multiple teams in the big 10 that play just like that. I do think Michigan, uh, I do think that TCU has some weapons. Like I don't know if they've seen a guy like Quentin Johnson. I mean, Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to go higher in the draft, but like, you know, six five. He runs like a four four. He's got all those yards after. That's a that's a problematic player. There's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I just think Michigan's going to see a lot of what they've seen before, and TCU is seeing stuff they have never dealt with, and I think that's a problem for them. So I think it's going to look the same, very similar. Your turn, sir. Is it my turn? Did you ask me that? I thought I did. How different will Michigan look? Was my question. <laughs> Not very. I'm on my game here. Uh, okay, th- these are simple, Brandon. These last two are simple for me. Uh, biggest concern, biggest concern with Michigan's offense going into Saturday. Where is the biggest concern for you? We know that they're balanced. They do a lot of things well, but what still concerns you most about the Michigan offense? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that worried about anything that they do. I mean, can you say the passing game still when they don't freaking need it? Clearly, I don't think you can really say that. I mean, maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's the God knock on wood hard somewhere that Donovan Edwards can go the whole four quarters with his hand and that JJ can stay upright and be healthy. I mean, like beyond that, I think what they're going to do is going to work. I I just I'm not that concerned with anything that it's a safe plan. There's not a lot of opportunities for mistakes, whether it's turnovers or negative plays. I don't know, man. I just that's why I've said all week long. I just feel like this is a bad matchup for TCU. Maybe it was a trick question because my answer to that is zero. I have zero concern about Michigan's offense, I'm the which same is crazy way. given where we were the first six or seven weeks of the season. But now that we've seen how it's developed and when they need to go to some things, they've proven that they can do it. Obviously, the game's going to be indoors, so weather won't be an element. 
Um, I don't have any concerns about the way that Michigan runs this offense. I think it's perfectly balanced, whether they're, you know, they're using guys like Cornelius Johnson, whether you're using Luke Schoonmaker and Colston Loveland, whether it's Donovan Edwards in the backfield, whether it's JJ McCarthy himself with his legs, I feel like this offense can hurt you in so many different ways. Yeah. I love the way it's come together towards the end of the season. I think they've built this thing um, in, in, in such a way that it is primed for winning a national championship, especially if you have to face, we know they can do it against Ohio State, and if you've got to go up against Georgia again, again, you want an offense that can attack you from a lot of different ways, and, and that is the Michigan offense right now. And by the way, they're not a top 25 offense, but I mean, it's you know, they're in total offense, they're like 27 in the country, so they're not awful. They're, you know, they're sneaky yeah. good. They do a lot of things well. Um, and I think that those tight ends, like a Luke Schoonmaker and a Colson Loveland, I mean, those are some X factors there that a lot of people just don't really think about, don't talk about, don't mention. This one's pretty straightforward. It might look a little different in your head than mine and other people, but I'm just going to ask it open-ended. Is this coming out party number three for Donovan Edwards? Yeah, man. Yeah, he just, he, and I, you know, he, he said it himself. I think it was on the tarmac that he, you know, he, he just, he performs, he's, he's built for these moments, you know, that he, he has the confidence in himself that when the moment is big, he's going to perform and live up to it. And dude, he's wired differently upstairs. He's, uh, physically gifted, um, probably more so than 99.9% .9 of the running backs in the country. The dude's just different. Yeah, I think he's going to have a uh, – I think Donovan Edwards is going to have a monster game on Saturday. I have, I that's probably too. the most confident I am in the Michigan offense right now that Donovan Edwards will, will have a big game and at least two runs. We might get to this on Friday, but at least two runs of 50 yards or more. Oh, wow, 50. 50 yarder. 50 or I, more. I don't know if I would quite say that, although – and just to correct an earlier – give your – you undersold him, Chris. He went 75 and 85 against Ohio State. What did I say? 65 and 75? <laughs> yeah, yeah 75 and 85. So there you go. Well, Dude, I said, I think it's going to be a repeat performance of what we saw. There you go. Yeah, 250 plus. Dude, Dude is picking them up and putting them down, brother. That's what he does. And I think he's going to do it a lot against TCU as well. I think the running game is going to be working. And I, I just don't see – I don't see any way – that TCU with the way they play defense can keep a talent like that bottled in for any period of time. So long. It just it, with Donovan Edwards, it feels like it's inevitable. It feels yeah. like it's just going to happen at some point in time, multiple times throughout the game. It's just a matter of when. Early prediction, right hey, here, here we go. right now, Chris. Oh, we get we're having a little oh. bit of a lag over there, Chris. I'm not sure if it's you or me, but early prediction: Donovan Edwards MVP of this game? Yes or no? Yeah, uh, no. Oh, no. He's going to run for 250 and not be the MVP? What the hell else is going on? No, 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 no. I didn't say 250 yards. I think he's going to have two runs of 50 Oh, I yards thought you expanded on that and said 250. Okay, all right, okay, okay. No, 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 no. Two of 50, I should have said. Gotcha. Um, all, all right, right. Here, we'll go. So same question, but we're going to the other side of the ball. Biggest concern right now with Michigan's defense. I heard you talk a little bit about the TCU passing game. Quentin Johnson obviously promotes a prop or provides a problem. What is your biggest concern with Michigan's defense right now? Is it the secondary? Is it up front? Where do you think the biggest weakness is? 
I think it's what we talked about before, Chris, earlier this week. It's if 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 TCU can put any kind of positive plays together and start going tempo, because then you've got Duggan on the on the you know on the edge. Then you've got Duggan running the ball. Then you've got Duggan scrambling to extend a play for Quentin Johnson or one of these other speedy guys. If Michigan can keep them a little bit behind the sticks, get a negative play here or there so that they can't find a rhythm. I think they'll be just fine. But if, if you know, if TCU's offensive firepower, which they do have, is effective early and they can get some tempo going and they score and get some confidence, I think that could that could pose for a longer day than I feel like it will be right now. I think Michigan's going to win this thing pretty handily. But if, if, if they don't, it's going to be because of those things. Tempo starts working. Duggan starts getting loose a little bit. A couple big plays down the field. That would be the only formula where I see TCU making this thing a game into the second half fourth quarter or whatever you want to say. Yeah, and that's where I'm at too. And I've talked about it multiple times leading up to this game that I think tempo is is my biggest concern. We've seen it with Maryland uh, give Michigan fits. I think even Illinois used tempo a little bit and it gave Michigan fits. Um, and, and then you factor in the month off and you know that TCU, you know, TCU is not going to be able to take their time, line up against Michigan and be able to run whatever play they want. I think tempo is going to have to be a big factor in that. And so we talked about this on the last podcast. Tempo can really work in your favor, assuming you're moving the ball. But if you're going tempo and you're going three and out, that really presents a problem. And so I think if Michigan can contain Duggan, can keep that tempo offense from from you know making big, lengthy plays early that give the TCU uh, offense confidence, I think Michigan will be fine. But that's where I'm really most concerned about this defense is how do they respond to an offense that's clearly going to want to run quickly, get them on their heels, get them to make some mistakes. And then if that happens and TCU starts to put some points on the board early, now you're in a position where it's, you know, you're, you're in a full football game. And I think it's more advantageous for Michigan to put the hammer down early, make a statement early and then spend the rest of the afternoon party, which is what I plan. Per, yeah, perfect segue into my question then. Because of all that, Chris, who is the most important defensive player for Michigan in this game? I think it's Will Johnson. I think it's got to uh, be Will. Yeah, he's going to be a popular choice, I think. He, he has really come on here um, you know, towards the latter part of the season. We go back to the Ohio State game, and he was playing against guys who were veteran wide receivers. And you know, Will was playing high school football last year and looked like, a man out there looked like, you know, in, in bullying guys and looked completely comfortable. And so I think having Will Johnson out in the secondary at, at the corner position, being able to line up across from a guy like Quentin Johnson, I think that that's going to make uh, things a little bit more difficult. Couldn't be more excited about, you know, not just what he's going to be able to do Saturday, but the trajectory of his career overall at the university of Michigan. I mean, he's just getting started, but if, if I had to narrow it down to one guy, Give me Will Johnson. I think he's the X factor. He also uh, leads is tied with Rod Moore for leading the team in interceptions with three, two of which came against uh, Purdue and what the the other one came against Ohio State, right? So, right? Wh- wh- or where was the other pick? No, Did he get a pick against was, OSU? I think it was at home. I'd have to look back. Not on sure where the third pick came from, but bottom line is he's he's already tied for the lead. Illinois. Was it Illinois? I think it was Illinois. I'm not sure. Oh, Rutgers. Rutgers? Was which, it was Rutgers? Also, which was also an away game. Okay, well, whatever. Well, kind whatever the hell it was, he's tied for first with three. The guys yeah. come on as of late, and I think he's, uh, 
you know, I think he's one of those guys that's an X factor in the secondary, and they're going to need that against a TCU offense that's going to want to throw the ball. I mean, that's that's what their plan is. I'm going to go with one Mike Sainra still for some of the same reasons. He he might be matched up with Quentin Johnson here or there. He's going to be chasing around those smaller, speedier slot guys. He's going to be moving in man. He's going to be in different parts of the field in zone. He's going to be up near the, the line of scrimmage to try to neutralize Doug. And I asked him about that today. I asked him, I said, you're kind of a, you know, a Swiss army knife on defense. You can guard the outside. You can guard a slot. You can come up and blitz. You can play the run. You can play man zone. He's involved in a lot, and I think you're going to see a lot from a guy like Max Duggan from the receiving core. If they can't get Quentin Johnson loose down the sideline, you're going to have to depend on some of those underneath guys a little bit more. I guess it depends on like what they really, really want to take away. If they really want to try to take away Quentin Johnson, I think Will Johnson is going to be paramount. I mean, he's going to be the most important player. If they're going to be okay with you know Quentin Johnson getting loose a little bit and kind of conceding to him but taking away everything else and Duggan scrambling and this and that then I think Mike Sainristill's role becomes very important but like it's going to be a team effort man it's this is an offense that can score they do have a lot of chunk plays under their belt and they've got some weapons man and there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to have to step up I saw Junior Colson's name come up I saw Mike Morris's name come up nobody's even said Mozzie Smith trying to hold down the whole middle of the D-line you know, so that Duggan can't escape up the middle of the field where you can do a lot of damage. So there, there's there's a lot of guys on that defense, and that's kind of the – it's kind of been their calling card all year. It hasn't been just one guy. You can name four or five week to week and and, and be right. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how they match up against TCU. All right, final question here, Brandon. It, it, it's kind of a – well, I don't know if it's a stupid question. I guess we'll let the people decide. We'll let you decide. But All right. I was thinking a little bit about this, and, you know, the outcome is going to go one of two ways against TCU. Either Michigan's going to win or Michigan's going to lose. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you is – Great question. Yes, somebody will – no, I'm kidding. All right. Brandon, <laughs> somebody will win, but if that doesn't happen, what else could happen? Um, here's – what's the bigger headline in your mind? Would it be a second straight loss for the Michigan Wolverines in the college football semifinal or winning it and getting to the national championship? Now, getting to the national championship doesn't mean you've won the national championship. Right. So in your mind, I guess, is a loss, a second straight loss in the semifinal a bigger deal or is getting to the national championship a bigger deal in your mind? It's it's a loss because they're supposed to win this game. They're favored by eight, nine, ten points, wherever it is. Again, the narrative, the matchup thing, they're back again, back to back. They look better, more explosive at quarterback with JJ McCarthy, a more well rounded defense. You know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, I mean, he's got a chance to really put I mean, every narrative that's ever been written about Jim Harbaugh is dead if they win this game and go back. But if they lose yeah, you could start to say like, well, now here's his new thing. First, he couldn't beat Ohio State, then he couldn't be, win the Big Ten, then he can. Now he's this postseason. Why can't he win a bowl game? Why can't he advance after the after the regular season? I I personally wouldn't wouldn't call that a storyline. It's a, to me, it's a little different if you're losing in the playoff versus like other bowl game. Yeah. But yep. I it's it's a much bigger deal if they lose versus if they win. I mean, like. Winning and making the natty is huge. That's incredible. But they're expected to. If they lose, that's that's going to be the story. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. And I was conflicted on this because I thought, man, Michigan going to the national championship game, playing for one for the first time since 1997, 
Yeah. You know, that, that's a big deal for this program. Uh, Harbaugh's first trip to the national championship. Again, big deal for this program. But to your point, Michigan is expected to win this game. They're the favorite. They, you know, they, based on what you think about what Vegas has to say, Michigan is a pretty heavy favorite. Um, I do think a second straight loss in the college football playoff semifinal is a bigger deal than simply making the trip to the national championship game. So I think a lot of people are, are of the belief that Michigan is going to handle TCU, whether it's close, whether it's a blowout, you know, nobody's really sure, but I think most people think Michigan's going to win this game. If they go out and they lose, then you're right. Then there's another narrative. There's another talking point. You know, did, did Michigan, you know, were they for real, especially if the Buckeyes end up advancing? I mean, it could just end up turning into a shit show. So I think at all costs, Michigan has to advance. They've got to beat TCU. They've got to get to the natty because the, the worst case scenario would be for Michigan to lose in the semifinal. Buckeyes go on to the natty, play oh, TCU, Jesus. and end up hoisting that trophy at the oh end. My I mean, God. that would that would be kind of a kick right in the nuts. I I would think. I would feel. Okay. Yes or no? If Michigan somehow does manage to lose to TCU, will their non-conference schedule be brought up? Heather Dinich has already typed the story. Yeah, she's got it ready. ready. If they hadn't played Hawaii in, in August or whatever the hell it was, yeah. You see, All right. this is why you don't schedule Colorado State and Utah exactly. and Hawaii. Exactly. Chris, my last question is kind of a fun one. Heard a lot of, well, it was mostly Mozzie Smith today. We didn't really talk about him that much, but I thought he was phenomenal today taking on all the questions yeah. about his legal issues. And I, I put up a story about it with a video of what he said. And I, I just thought it was really well done. I mean, I, I was actually, before we, they didn't tell us which defensive players were going to be here. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to, you know, I, you know, I know he's a captain. I don't know if they're going to trot Mozzie out there. And sure enough, there he was. And he had a monstrous crowd around him. And it didn't take but a couple seconds for the first question to come out about it, which, you know, I, that, that should be asked. I mean, it's his first time speaking. I thought he did an outstanding job answering the questions. I'll have a little bit more on that as the week progresses. But Mozzie Smith was the, was the inspiration for my question here, Chris. Chris, is Jim Harbaugh lovable? Yes, he is. <laughs> We've talked about this. Even that was quick. Where, even in times where, you know, Michigan wasn't living up to the hype and they weren't performing at, you know, the level that we thought that the program should perform. That was one of yeah. the things I think I said to you multiple times is like, damn it every time i'm around him like i just there's something about him that just i i can't help but like the guy even if i felt like he wasn't living up to the expectation yeah. um as the head coach of the university of michigan but uh, granted he's not everybody's cup of tea and i no. and i get that but man like you know we've we <laughs> the, the time up at mackinac island and the time in the pool and like there it know, is cj just said world. that Chris is yeah, cool, he's my buddy. Cool buddy. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're practically best friends now. I, I didn't get the invite to the Christmas dinner, but we're, uh, our friendship is slowly glowing. Yeah. He's, uh, he is a lovable guy depending on what side of the fence you're on. I think when he's on your team, he's like, he's like a Dennis Rodman sort of dude. Like you love him when he's on your side. Absolutely hate him when he's not. Um, and I just feel like that's who Jim Harbaugh is. And that's, that's been one of the struggles about, you know, covering this guy. Um, you know, now officially over the last two years, which has been easy because they've met, made the playoffs. Yeah. But I've obviously been running the winged helmet for um, for five or six years now at this point. And it was difficult because you you wanted it to work so bad and it just made so much sense. Harbaugh, Michigan, you know, where he was at in his coaching career. 
and to see it all now come to fruition. And then you see the way the players talk about him. I mean, Mozzie Smith, you know, the, feeling like, you know, he's almost like a father figure. JJ McCarthy saying the same thing. Like Jim Harbaugh is this father figure to the team, you know, tells him he loves him. We saw it in the post game press conference uh, with the Ohio state game where he wrapped his arms around Mike Barrett, told him he loved him, told him he wanted him to come back. There's just, um, there, there's something special within, uh, within this program. It's a culture that he's really worked hard to build. And uh, yeah, man, he is, he's a lovable guy. Assuming he's in your locker room. There's no doubt about it. Mozzie Smith said today, you know, somebody said, what's it like having Jim Harbaugh for your head coach? And I think that was, a, it was a pretty vague open-ended type of question. And Mozzie just, I mean, he lit up, dude. I mean, a smile ear to ear. It's a guy that's going to have your back. He he loves me like I'm his own kid. He said that. And, and you know, I mean, for Mozzie specifically over this last month and dating back to October when the incident actually happened, he just talked about how the day that it happened, he went straight to Harbaugh's office. They sat down. They talked it out. You know, Mozzie said honesty is the best policy. And I know a lot of people might snicker at that because it wasn't public knowledge. But Mozzie also said that. He said it's nobody's business until it is. And now that it is, here I am. And I'm talking about it. And I was open about it. I was open with law enforcement. I've been open throughout all the charges. I was open with Harbaugh. I was open with everybody who needed me to be open with them. And I believe him a hundred percent. Now, dude, optically, still not the greatest look. He did mess up, but he said that. He's like, I know I messed up. Like I shouldn't have done it, but I, I did everything the right way after that. And he did. And that's why he's here. That's why he's playing. And just the things he said about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you're you're right, dude. I mean, there there was a long stretch of time where I'm like, I don't know, Harbaugh. I'm kind of over him, man. He yeah, 2022 and four. He can't be done. I'm I'm done with him, dude. Get rid of him. And then we'd go to something. I'm like, that goddamn Jim Harbaugh, man. God, he just he just reeled me right back in. And he has a way. He's he's weird. He's, got he's a, a little quirky, but he's got a way. And, and and you know, for the players that 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 relate to that and can really get on board with that, like they 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 absolutely love the guy. Mozzie yeah. Smith is one of them. Donovan Edwards is one of them. JJ McCarthy is one of them. There's a whole bunch. Mike Barrett, I would guess, is one of them. I mean, there's a Mike bunch Shane of guys. Was, I mean, Mikey you know, Sainer still. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. And yeah, you're going to have, you know, you've got 120, you know, you know, testosterone fueled athlete, uh, you know, just get, there's going to be some that don't love him, but like, yeah, I think he's lovable, dude. I think he is. <laughs> Maybe not like your down one minute, uh, one minute, or, I'm sorry, one minute, <laughs> one hour, hour five yeah, minutes we've been on for, for our in. short show here on a Wednesday. Uh, yeah, we'll make sure we mark that down. Get Brandon Brown on record, uh, <laughs> saying that he loves Jim Harbaugh. We were eating lunch today. I was sitting with like Zach Shaw and Angelique and some of the guys from M Live. And Zach said something about like, you know, Michigan. We were talking about the difference between Michigan, Michigan State fans and the whole Mozzie thing and the tunnel thing. And, you know, we've talked about it, Chris. Like, I don't know why the tunnel even gets brought up when talking about Mozzie, but that's what Michigan State people do. Okay, whatever. And Zach said something about like, yeah, Michigan fans are just different. They love objective people. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's entirely true. Because I was taking shots for about a year when I was being objective about Harbaugh's You're performance. You're still and taking shots for being objective. So there you go. I don't know yeah. if that's true. But, I, you know, anyway, he, he's got a way. He's got a way. It was on display here, here and his players. It's It's real and it's there. And it's a testament to who he's hired and how he's performed over the last two when the first six you know they were good but they weren't i don't know if i'd have wrote home about them 
And I think no. that's, you know, he he deserves what he's getting now. I mean, there's no question. So there it is. Another year. I, I won't call him Papa Harbaugh, but I, I you know, I'm 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 digging what he's doing. I can say that. I can say that. No question about it. Chris, any final words there before the next time we see each other, dude? It's gonna be in person. I'll be in Arizona. I'll I'll be out of this shitty weather in Michigan. I'll finally yeah. be out there in the beautiful uh hopefully the weather will cooperate. I've looked, it's gonna be what, sixties, seventies. I might go and climb Camelback Mountain when I get out there. I don't know. I'm feeling, dude, I'm feeling pretty antsy to get out to Arizona based on what I've seen on social media. So I'm ready, dude. I'm ready to go. A squirrely Chris Bryler is a fun Chris Bryler. Let me I'm tell ready. you. And then we're gonna have and then we're gonna have New Year's Eve after a Michigan victory. We'll go out. We'll, we'll tie one on. I don't know what'll be going on at the hotel. Who knows what'll be happening? It'll be a good time. Yeah, we will be live Friday night. I guess yeah. it'll, it'll be five o'clock Arizona time. I'm getting it. I'm starting to remember. Seven o'clock Michigan time. Normal time, normal show. Predictions will be involved. Over-unders will be involved. Chris gets to call me stupid or smart. Okahar will be involved. I'm drinking as soon as I get off the plane. I'm sorry. Of course. Immediately. Of course. Everybody, thank you so much for our weird wonky time today. We're trying to fit it in as we can. Chris is going to a Christmas party. I'm going to do some more work. Whatever the hell else is going out here in the rainstorm that is Paradise Valley. Bowie, yeah. baby. It's Bowie. Thanks, everybody, for paying attention to us. We'll see you on Friday.